0: Hello! Welcome to My Two Cents Podcast Extreme Rules Review. I am the host G2 and I want to talk to you guys about what happened last night on WWE's Extreme Rules Pay-Per-View. Let me just start off with it was a good pay-per-view straight up from top to bottom. It was a straight good pay-per-view. And as a matter of fact, let me just state this right now. Both of the Women's Championship matches were better than I expected especially the Charlotte and Alexa one. I knew the Bianca and Becky Lynch match was going to be good, but the Alexa Bliss and Charlotte match, I didn't think it was going to be that great, but it was at least, it was better than I expected. So, kudos to everybody involved in that uh, pay-per-view, but without further ado, let me get on with the um, pay-per-view review. First thing first, Liv Morgan went against Carmella on the pre-show, and... Liv Morgan beat Carmella on the pre-show. I didn't see the match. I thought it was supposed to take place on the pay-per-view card, as it was already told to everybody that Friday on SmackDown leading up to it. And when I turned on my Peacock app and I went to the WWE Network and I went to pay-per-view, well, the last, like, 10 minutes of the pre-show, you saw the pre-show panel talking about how Liv Morgan defeated Carmella. And I said, oh, so that match didn't happen on the pay-per-view. Okay, fine. So, Liv Morgan defeated Carmelo on the pre-show, but they did announce on the pre-show, though, that the uh, New Day will be taking on AJ Styles, Omos, and Bobby Lashley. Apparently, some type of uh, confrontation happened earlier on the pre-show, so they made that match on the pre-show for the pay-per-view, and that's the first match that started the pay-per-view. The New Day, which consists of Kofi Kingston, uh, Xavier Woods, and the WWE Champion... Big E going against AJ Styles, Omos, and Bobby Lashley, and again, this was a great opening match of a pay-per-view, uh, this last week, I'm just gonna say this right now, Raw had a great opening six-man match with the New Day going against the Bloodline, uh, AEW Dynamite had a great opening match with Kenny Omega versus uh, Brian Danielson, and now you get this, Also, and also, AEW had a as I had a good match with opening uh, rampage, had a good opening matchup with CM Punk going against Powerhouse Hobbs, and now you get this: the New Day going against Styles, Omos, and Lashley. Dude, I don't know what to tell you. They just been trying to like throw out just bangers to set the night off to make sure you understand that the rest of the night you expect to see good wrestling. But this was a good, straight, solid six man match. I did not know how the team of Styles, Omos, and Lashley would work. But they worked fine and dandy because Omos and, Lashley, Omos and Styles were able to still work their tag team style, which basically AJ Styles does uh, all the flashy hits and everything while Omos coming to do the power moves. But you had Lashley on that team, and he was able to dominate and basically be a single man wrecking crew. And whenever he had to tag in, he will tag in. So I like that dynamic that they had. The New Day, they did what the New Day do. They did... Uh, all their little tag team moves on AJ Styles. Um, They were able to beat down on Lashley whenever they beat down on Lashley. I mean, this was a solid six-man just opening match. But anyway, New Day does beat the team of Styles, Omos, and Lashley. When Lashley was setting up for the spear on Big E, but AJ tagged himself in. And AJ told Lashley, let me finish him. And Lashley said, you better finish him. So as soon as AJ leaped onto the top rope and he was setting and he was about to hit Biggie with the um, phenomenal forearm, Lashley tagged himself in on AJ's leg. AJ was still able to jump off and uh, hit and almost hit Biggie with the phenomenal forearm because Biggie does duck out of the way and AJ hits a tumble roll. And now you have AJ getting up and he's right behind Biggie and Lashley's in the ring and he's running towards Biggie. And Big E moves out of the way, and Lashley hits AJ Styles with a spear. So AJ gets hit with a spear, and AJ rolls out of the ring. And then you get Big E grabbing Lashley and turning him around and hitting him with the big ending. And he pins Lashley to get the win for his team. This was, again, a solid six-man tag team match. I will suggest you look at it if you have the Peacock uh, app. But if you don't, try to find it on YouTube or somewhere. Trust me, it's a great solid six-man match. After this, you get the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match of the Usos defending their championships against the Street Profits. Again, another solid tag team match here. Um, the, new, the Usos' whole main focus was to attack uh, Montez Ford's ribs because he had his ribs taped up, so that put a whole big old uh, bullseye right on Montez Ford's ribs because the Friday night prior to this pay-per-view... He was attacked by Roman after his match with Roman, and he put him through a table, and so now Montez Ford's ribs are bandaged up. There were moments in this match where the Street Profits actually had a chance of winning this match. Whenever they hit Jimmy with their um, assisted show, uh, assisted um style of a Doomsday device, but instead of hitting the clothesline, Montez Ford hitting the blockbuster off of... Uh, onto Jimmy off of um, Dawkins' shoulder. You had that happen. You had Montez Ford hitting a frog splash onto Jimmy or Jay, one of the Usos, and he almost won the match there. I mean, there were so many false finishes in this match that the Street Profits really had a legit claim to almost winning the match. But in the end, the Usos were able to hit a double super kick onto Angelo Dawkins, who was on the ring apron, and then Jay Uso was able to hit a super kick on Montez Ford's ribs, and that allowed the Uso's to hit a super kick sandwich, which is one super kick to the face in the front and one super kick to the back of the head on Montez Ford, and then the Uso's hit a Uso splash simultaneously, a.k.a. meaning one Uso's on one corner turnbuckle, the other Uso's on the other side of the ring on the top turnbuckle as well, and they both jump off at the exact same time, and they splash and hit Ford and Jimmy pins uh, Ford for the win, so the Usos do retain their SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Again, another solid tag team match and another banger for uh, WWE's tag team division. After this, we also get Bobby Lashley in the backstage area, and he's just constantly just walking back and forth, and he looks right into the camera, and he calls Biggie a coward. He also calls him a chicken crap, but instead of using the crap word, he used the other word. You know what I'm talking about. He said that if Biggie is a man, he will put the WWE Championship on the line against him on Monday Night Raw. And Bobby Lashley wants his WWE Championship back. He doesn't want Biggie to be hiding behind Xavier or Kofi. He said, move those two out the way. It's only going to be me and you on Monday Night Raw for the WWE Championship. So he was basically challenging Biggie to a rematch for the WWE Championship. We don't get Biggie's answer to this challenge until later in the night after this challenge was being made, we go back to for in-ring competition, and it's for the Raw Women's Championship, and you have Alexa Bliss going against Charlotte for the championship. Uh, As I said before, this match was better than I expected, so I give both these women a lot of credit. But in the end, Charlotte does retain her championship against Alexa because when Alexa went for Twisted Bliss, and she missed when Charlotte does roll out of the way, Alexis then gets up and hits Charlotte with a DDT, and Alexa pins Charlotte, but Charlotte did put her foot on the bottom rope, so that stops the referee count. Alexa then talks to the ref because she's in disbelief and she almost thought that she had the win for the three count, and this allows Charlotte to go over to the corner and grab Lily, who is Alexa Bliss's doll. Alexa sees Charlotte holding Lily and she runs, not runs, she walks over to Charlotte. Charlotte then throws Lily towards Alexa, and Alexa does catches it. But as soon as she catches Lily, Charlotte hits Alexa with a big boot to the face. And then you have Charlotte pick up Alexa, throw her shoulder first into the steel post. And then you get Charlotte hitting the natural selection on Alexa, then covering her for the win. Again, another solid match. I mean... Again, I didn't expect much out of this match, to be honest with you. I thought we would see a whole lot of uh, character work. I thought we would see a whole lot of uh, magical mischief, but we didn't get that in this match. We got a straight, solid uh, one-on-one competition match between Charlotte and Alexa, and I was happy for that, and I still give these two a lot of credit. However, after the match, though, Charlotte kicks Alexa out of the ring, and she goes back to grabbing the doll, Lily. Charlotte then rips open Lily... And starts tearing the stuffing out of the doll. And she starts tearing the doll limb by limb. And after the damage was done, Alexa gets back in the ring. And she goes directly towards Charlotte. Charlotte, I mean, just starts pouncing on her. She jumps on her and starts hammer fisting her right on the face. And Charlotte and her just start throwing blows in the ring. In the ring and also out of the ring. They tumble out of the ring. And once they got out of the ring, they're still fighting towards each other, but Charlotte gets the better end of this exchange, and when she knees Alexa in the gut, and then she throws Alexa over the commentary table. Charlotte then walks away from this, and grabs her championship, and starts walking up the ramp, and making her way to the backstage area. Alexa then pops up from behind the commentary table. She gets on top of the commentary table. She looks at the ring which has Lily's cotton and Lily's stuffy stuffing all out in the middle of the ring and Lily's uh, body teared up. You see Alexa flip over the covering for the commentary table and just flip out. She yells and screams. She doesn't make a timber tantrum, but she does scream because she's in complete disbelief of her doll Lily being uh teared up. She goes into the ring and now you see Alexa try to Pick up every piece of stuffing or cotton that was from the doll and try to put her back together. Alexa can't do this, and she decides to lift up the Lily doll and she just screams in the ring. Again, showing Alexa's whole disbelief of that her doll has been destroyed. Alexa then leaves the ring with the remains with the remainings of Lily in her hand and she starts walking up the entrance ramp, and once she gets to the stage, she just falls down, and she's holding the doll, sheet she begins to size to yell, and now you see Alexa just trembling in just anger, so this tells you that the feud between Charlotte and Alexa isn't done at all. If anything, this is just going to make Alexa a lot more angry, so we're probably going to see a whole lot of magical mischief uh, probably throughout the weeks coming, but, Again, this was a solid, solid match between both Alexa and Charlotte, so kudos to both of them. After this, we go backstage, and we see Paul Heyman on the phone, and he's talking about the draft. He's saying, I'm glad this is happening. I'm telling you, this draft is going to be one of the greatest drafts that we've ever seen. And then you see a microphone slowly pulling uh, itself towards Paul and the camera draws back, and it's Kayla Braxton, the same interviewer that keeps on bothering Paul on SmackDown week after week after week. Paul sees her, and he says, I got to get off the phone. He looks at Kayla, and Kayla asks him a question, and Paul just start. No, Kayla asks him who was on the phone. Paul says, oh, I'm sorry, Mommy. I got to tell you who's on the phone. I got to tell you who I'm making calls to. He just start making fun of Kayla. But eventually, Paul gets serious and says, you want to know if I was talking to Brock Lesnar. He tells Caleb, why can't I talk to Brock Lesnar? This is draft week. We're on the draft week. This is a special time for everybody right now. I'm the special counsel for the Tribal Chief. I have to cover my bases. My bases need to be covered. And we have Crown Jewel coming up and deals need to be made. And then you get the Usos start walking up towards Paul. Well, matter of fact, past Paul. And they're just congratulating themselves on still being SmackDown Tag Team Champions. They're happy to still be SmackDown Tag Team Champions after they beat the Street Profits. And Paul says that, you know what, I gotta go. And he gives the call me later, like, phone sign to Kayla. And he walks away with the Usos. Now it's time for in-ring competition again. And now it's time for the United States... Triple Threat uh, match between Sheamus, Jeff Hardy, and the champion, Damian Priest. This was a good Triple Threat match. If anything, this was like the, um, I would say the Dark Horse of the night, because I expect people would have forgotten this match, but this match was a solid Triple Threat match of everything. And I'm not saying out of everything, out of everything, but when you think of triple threat matches, triple threat matches usually have a formula that usually is two guys in the ring and then the third guy will come in and try to beat up on somebody and then it will go back to being two guys and then they'll do a spot where all three guys have to do something and whatever. That was the case here, but they were able to do it so fluently that you didn't mind seeing this happen. So Damien ends up retaining his championship when Damien sets up Jeff Hardy, so he can hit a springboard maneuver off the ropes. And as Damien runs towards the ropes, Sheamus pushes Jeff out of the way, and he hits Priest with a bicycle knee to the face. Sheamus was then about to pin Priest, but Jeff Hardy throws Sheamus out of the ring, and Jeff Hardy pins Damien Priest. Priest ends up kicking out of the pin, and then Jeff Hardy gets up, and Sheamus runs back into the ring, and he nails Jeff Hardy with a bro kick. And as soon as Jeff was falling out of the ring, Sheamus is trying to grab him so he won't fall. But too little too late, Jeff Hardy falls out of the ring. And this allows Priest to roll up Sheamus with a small package and pin him for the win. And Damian Priest retains his United States Championship. After the match, Damian picks up Jeff Hardy and shakes his hands. And they show each other respect as Sheamus is on the entrance ramp Looking at this in total disgust. Now we go to the backstage area. And we have Big E. Talking about how Lashley has lost his mind. But he's going to help him find it. And he's going to face Lashley on Monday Night Raw. For the WWE Championship. And it was announced later in the night. That that's going to be the first match of the night. On Monday Night Raw when it begins. For the WWE Championship. Big E will go against Lashley. So again this is two big dudes. Just. Big, big old dudes is going to be like hitting power moves on one another on Monday Night Raw. I can't wait to see it personally. But we will have to see how that will all uh, transpire when Raw hits. After this, we go back to in-ring competition. And now it's time for the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Uh, Becky Lynch putting up her SmackDown Women's Championship against Bianca Belair. Bianca does beat Becky by disqualification whenever uh, Bianca was about to... Hit the KOD after countering the disarmor. And as Bianca has Becky in the KOD and she's about to hit it, outruns Sasha Banks from the back towards the ring, and she gets in the ring and attacks Bianca Belair. The referee calls for the bell and Bianca wins, but Becky Lynch is still the SmackDown Women's Championship because championships championships do not uh change hands. On disqualifications or ring out, and this was a disqualification. Sasha attacks Bianca and she keeps on attacking her. And then you see Becky looking at all this, and she's holding this man and woman's championship. And then once Sasha's done attacking Bianca, Sasha turns her head towards Becky. Becky's holding the championship, and she has a worried look on her face because she just got done going through a gruesome, tiresome match with Bianca, and she throws up the thumbs up towards. Sasha, thinking that we're all good and squared away, Bianca, not Bianca, Sasha gives her I'm the I'm not going to do anything to you type of face and also with the shoulder shrugs, but in Sasha's character, she's a backstabber. She goes and hits a double leg uh, takedown onto Becky and starts hitting her and just starts attacking her. You see uh, Sasha just constantly attacking Becky until... Bianca gets Sasha off of Becky and starts trying to attack Sasha. But, too little too late. Bianca eats a backstabber for her trouble, and also Becky eats a backstabber as well. And now you have both the champion and challenger both laid out in the ring as Sasha's the last person standing in the ring. And she gets out of the ring, and she's on the entrance ramp. The camera is right in Sasha's face. You hear Sasha tell both Becky and Bianca that I will see you both on SmackDown this upcoming Friday. So, I don't know we're going to get Sasha challenging Becky for the SmackDown Women's Championship at uh, Friday night. With If that happens, Becky isn't going to answer that because Becky is big time Bex now, so she's going to turn away that challenge. And more than likely, we're probably going to get Sasha going against Bianca because that was the match we were supposed to get at SummerSlam, but... We didn't get that. And also, Becky Lynch looked clean in her all-white attire. I don't know if I told you guys this before, but I don't do white clothing at all. White clothing is dirty so quick. I'm afraid if somebody's going to put some dirt on my white, I will be flipping out because white is so hard to clean. And whenever I see professional wrestlers wearing an all-white attire, whether it could be Seth Rollins, uh, Minoru Suzuki, uh, Becky Lynch, or even Roman Reigns if he ever decides to do a white attire. attire. And when the New Day did an all-white attire. If I see wrestlers pull off an all-white attire, I have to give them kudos. Because usually, wrestlers look clean in their white attire. I mean, they look crisp to the gill. They are style and profile when they're all white. And I, that just gives me a big smile on my face. Because you know what? I like seeing wrestlers all in their white attire when they actually do do it. Because again... It looks clean, and it's something that I personally can't be doing. Because if that gear gets dirty, I don't know how much that will cost to get clean, and I don't know if they got other uh, white gear as well. I don't know if they only got one uh, one set of that white gear, or they got multiple sets. But anyway, kudos to every single professional wrestler that has a straight-up all-white attire. You guys are awesome, especially when you guys wear it out in front of the audience. Now it's time for the main event. It is the Universal Championship match in Extreme Rules. Roman Reigns going against the Demon, Finn Balor. There was a lot of things that happened in this match. I'm only going to give you a, a couple of highlights in this. The fans throughout this match, in the first early stages in this match, were chanting for, we want tables, right? Roman doesn't give them tables. He goes outside after beating up on the Demon for a little bit. He goes outside and grabs Kendo sticks. Well, a Kindle stick. He looks towards the crowd and he says, you guys don't dictate to me. I dictate to you. You guys are going to tell me what I'm going to do. You guys aren't getting tables from me right now. And the fans are booing him because Roman's making this loud and clear, letting him know that you guys are not in charge. And then he turns his head over and Finn Balor is the, well, the demon, his persona is on outside of the ring and he pulls out. A kendo stick, but it is taped up with about to go four or five other kendo sticks. So this one big old mega kendo stick, and Roman has a look of, oh my god, on his face. And he rolls into the ring, and the demon was able to hit Roman first with that big, gigantic uh, kendo stick. Another highlight of this match was whenever Finn, well, the demon, and Roman were fighting into the audience. Roman throws the demon into the audience, and he doesn't even look at Paul Heyman. He has his hand out, and he says, Wiseman. And Paul Heyman hands Roman something in his hand. And then you see Roman walk into the audience, and I didn't notice this until commentary says this, that Roman is wearing a mask, and you see Roman literally wearing one of those masks that we all have to wear in the audience as he's fighting The Demon King. I straight up was cheering my butt off because you guys have either heard from me on my past uh, Sunday episodes, but if you haven't, let me just make this perfectly clear. I have worked out in the gym and I wore a mask. That is the most... That is hard to do. You are breathing heavy and you try to catch your breath and everything else just wearing that mask. Now, Roman Reigns is an athlete and he's having to constantly... Uh, either hit somebody, slam somebody. He's constantly in motion and using his a lot of energy, exuding energy onto somebody else. And he's wearing a mask because he can't get infected by COVID-19 because he already has some type of uh, um, cancer uh, previously in his body. And he doesn't want to try to inflame that again because of COVID and he doesn't want to try to get it from anybody in the audience. So, I understand why he wore the mask, but that little detail that he had is very, very important to the character the Roman has done, because Roman is showing you that he has disdain for the audience. One, you guys aren't telling me what to do, and you guys aren't going to affect my livelihood. So, I love that he wore the mask. And also, I have to give him a whole lot of props, because dude walking around In exuding that much energy in that type of profession that he's in, and still wearing a mask in a high-profile match like this, dude, you gotta give it up. You gotta give it up to Roman. He's the big dog for a reason. He's the head of the table. I a mad respect. But anyway, this is uh towards the end of the match, though Finn takes out the Usos because earlier in the match, like in the middle of the match. Finn hits the coup de grace on Roman, and he's about to pin Roman, and he's about the referee's about to hit three, but the Usos come out, and they beat down on Finn. Just want to let you know, so you can say, where did the Usos come in? That's when the Usos came in. So again, running it back. Towards the end of the match, uh, the Demon takes out the Usos, and he then turns around, and he eats a spear for Roman, but Roman spears the Demon through the barricade, Right? So now you got the Usos Roman, and the demon laid out on the outside of the ring, just on the ground. And then you see the lights flash red, and then you hear the heartbeat sound throughout the whole arena, and it's the demon heartbeat sound that you hear on the demon's entrance. The demon starts to twitch on the ground, right? It flashes back to regular light, and then it flashes back to red light again. You hear the heartbeat again, and then the demon twitches again on the ground. This happens another time and then another time and then you just start seeing the demon pop up on his feet and it seems like that heartbeat just completely popped over another second wind for the demon. And now you see him beat down on Roman. Oh yeah, and the lights this time completely turns red, and you hear the heartbeat turns into a boom 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 and you hear the whole <sighs> You hear all that. You hear the whole demon's entrance theme and he just channeled his inner new jack if you don't know what i mean by that there was an ecw wrestler named new jack who would come down to the ring and while his entrance music was playing he would just beat down his opponent throughout the whole match listening while the arena listens to his entrance music that's what i mean by demon channeled his inner new jack so as his entrance music is playing he's beating down on roman and he even shotgun drop kicks Roman through a table that the Usos set up earlier in the match. So after Roman gets put through the table, the demon grabs Roman and throws him into the ring. He goes to the top turnbuckle. And as he's getting his stance ready so he can jump off and hit the coup de grace onto Roman, you suddenly see all four top corner turnbuckles just snap off and they just drop in the ring. And you see the demon fall off the turnbuckle as well as all the cor- as all the uh, top corner turnbuckles are falling down. The demon is perplexed and he's trying to figure out what just happened. The lights go back to normal. The demon's looking at the referee. He's holding on to his thigh. And then as soon as he gets up and he turns towards Roman... Roman is running at him head forward, head speed. He hits the demon directly with the spear, and he pins him after this, and he wins. So Roman is still your Universal Champion, and he celebrates as the Usos are walking behind him, and Paul Heyman is holding up the Universal Championship. And as he's on the entrance ramp, he's talking towards the camera in his face. He saying, I'm the GOAT, I'm the greatest of all time, I'm the best, I'm the Tribal Chief. You all will acknowledge me right into the camera and that's how the pay-per-view goes off. So this pay-per-view was a solid pay-per-view, my match of the night would be the Extreme Rules match because this was the only match of the night that actually had some type of stipulation even though the pay-per-view is called Extreme Rules. This was the only match that literally had any type of stipulation. So. I give it up to the main event. And, um, but that's not saying that every other match on the show lacked anything. No, it didn't lack nothing. This pay per view was a straight solid A. If I were to give it a legitimate grading, this thing would be an A off rip. If not an A, a B, but I'm not going to go with that. I'll straight up stick to an A with this. Um, here's my things that I did like, fi- not nitpick, but here's some things that I did like take away from this pay per view. They were commenting a lot on the draft. They were talking about, even through the six-man tag team match, what if the New Day were to break up, even though they just got repackaged back again with Big E being the WWE champion, he's back on being Monday Night Raw. Since the draft is this week and it starts on Friday Night SmackDown, what if the New Day breaks up again like they did last year in 2020? Well, not last year in 2020, in 2019, Hold on, was it 2020? Nope, nope, it was. Hold up, no, no, no. It was 2020, I'm sorry. Because Xavier was just came back. So, yeah. What happened if the New Day does, like, get drafted, It separated like they did last year in 2020? And then they brought up, what happened if AJ is stayed on Raw, but almost gets drafted over to SmackDown? They did the same thing in the tag team match with the Street Profits and the Usos. They said, what happened if the Street Profits split up? So this is giving me little hints and nuggets that, okay, unlike last year's draft, where you could draft a legitimate whole tag team as one draft pick, apparently this draft you can't. You only can draft one person at a time. So you might see some tag team split up, which is the dumbest thing you could do. Keep a tag team as one, especially in this time that we are living in now that you guys have to rebuild up your tag team division. Because the Usos and the Street Street Profits are carrying your SmackDown Tag Team division. Because the Dirty Dogs, I mean, they're cooling off, but they ain't doing much. American Alpha needs a shot at the tag team belts because they need to do something with them. Because Otis is this dominating figure, but y'all haven't given him much to really chew on as Chad Gable is the guy pulling the strings. Um, That's just on SmackDown. On Raw, you still got the Viking Raiders. They should never split. AJ and Omaz, I mean, they have this teacher and student thing, but they shouldn't split at all right now because they're still in the groove of their situation. You have um, Angel Gargoyne and Humberto Carrillo, who just became a tag team. You have Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. You have The New Day. I mean, you have other tag teams on Raw, but I mean... Oh, yeah, and also T-Bar and uh, Mace, but whatever, whatever on that one. I mean... You shouldn't split up no tag teams right now. If you're going to do that on the draft, that's the dumbest thing you could do because right now you guys need to rebuild your tag team division to make tag team wrestling something worthwhile again instead of depending on certain tag teams that you know is going to give you a banger of a match like you depended on the Street Profits going against the Usos in this Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Because right now on SmackDown, this is the only two teams that you can think of that will give you a banger of a match. Even though the Mysterios are Dominic and Ray, But right now it seems like those two are going separate directions. And I can see them actually splitting up Rey and Dominic. So Dominic can actually get some actual one-on-one experience by himself. I can see Ray Mysterio literally being drafted over to Raw. Or Dominic getting drafted over to Raw. I can see that. So prepare yourself for that one. That's one thing I caught up on commentary. And two, Roman Reigns was wearing his uh, red gauntlet again. He debuted it this following week, this past week on Raw whenever he had to come to Raw in a six-man uh, tag team match, and then he still kept it on this Friday whenever he went against Montez Ford, and then he kept it on going against the Demon on um, this pay-per-view. I tweeted out that Roman is wearing his red gauntlet. Is he giving us a clue that he might get drafted over to Monday Night Raw, and nobody's taking that into consideration? Because whenever Roman debuted this whole head of the table uh, new version of himself, right, he would wear his gold. He would wear this gold gauntlet, and the reason why he wore the gold gauntlet was is that everything he touches turned to gold. And Roman would hardly even show up on uh, SmackDown to even compete. So you will see the gold gauntlet like on pay-per-views or even like highly special occasion when he did wrestle on a television uh, program so he's not wearing the red gauntlet is he am show- is that showing us that okay he's going to be drafted over to raw or is, it, is he trying to get his money worth out of this red gauntlet because i initially thought okay he's going to get his money's worth out of this red gauntlet because t- he's not going to just okay one and done this red gauntlet that's my first initial response but as soon as i thought about it That's whenever I thought about, okay, he might be showing us, sending us a signal of him going to Monday Night Raw. And if he does, I mean, that, I wouldn't do that. I would keep the head of the table gimmick completely, exclusively to SmackDown because he has made SmackDown the show. And I respect everybody that was on SmackDown during 2020, the early stages of 2020, that were making SmackDown uh, something watchable. Don't get me wrong. But whenever Roman came back with the head of the table thing, that really made it must see because we got to see a new, complete, different version of Roman, a version that we all wanted, but a different style of Roman that we all wanted. We didn't know that we wanted a Roman that was going to be like, talk to me uh, and acknowledge me with all this praise and admiration. Wrestling fans wanted a killer Roman. A guy that was silent, he didn't talk much, and he would came in and he ran through you, no questions asked. He would take what he wanted to take. Same thing that we're getting now, but without all the showboating, the way that Roman would do whenever after he beat somebody. He would just come in, say no words, solid killer mode, beat up on anybody that he felt like, speared, go home, that's it. But this head of the table character has opened up a completely new dimension. For Roman. And personally, I enjoy it. And personally, everybody in the wrestling community enjoy this version of Roman. So, with him going to Monday Night Raw, that's three hours. And knowing how Raw is being written out, the idea of that head of the table character being exposed on Raw, you will have him in about seven or eight segments throughout the night. I can see it. I don't think that is required of the head-of-the-table uh, character. I don't think that at all. This is why I say that he needs to stay on SmackDown. Because on SmackDown, you'll probably get what? You'll get segments from Paul Heyman doing something. But you'll probably get, like, what? One in the beginning. Probably, like, one in the middle or probably even one almost before the night is over. It's probably about a good three segments of Roman Reigns on SmackDown. And if not, you probably get two and a half. And why do you say the half? Because by, I say about, what, 10 or 15 minute, seconds of him walking towards his uh, locker room or him walking towards the ring. I don't really call that a segment, but if people going to say that, that's still eating up TV time. I'll call that a half segment. So there you go. I'll give it that. But Roman, the head of the table thing, still should be exclusively to uh, SmackDown. But again, we will have to see what happens on the uh, draft. Whenever that happens, I'm just told you that I picked up on those little nuances and those little details on this uh, pay-per-view. But again, this pay-per-view was a solid A. Everything was great top to bottom. And uh, I'm glad it was because you know what? Uh, Their pay-per-views have been going... raw. WWE pay-per-views have been going extremely well so far since they've had live uh, audience back, and I I hate to sound like that guy, but I am just trying to see where the down where the downhill is gonna be with the pay-per-views. When are there uh, downhill gonna be? When are the people not the people in uh, out in the fans, but the people backstage gonna be like, all right, now we're gonna just start throwing. Matches that won't make sense and probably won't gain anybody's attention on this pay per view card. I'm just waiting for that to happen because, in every scenario, in every wrestling company, there's going to be a couple of those. So, I'm just waiting for WWE to have that because they've been around for so long and they got one mission and they do their one mission completely their way and they adjust it a little bit by time by time. But I'm just still waiting for whenever that's going to happen. But for now, pay-per-view is solid A. I enjoyed it. And um, if you don't have the Peacock uh, app, I would suggest you get it. It's only, what, Peacock is free, but to get, like, the WWE portion of Peacock and probably some other portions like movies and everything else, what, you probably got to pay, what, $5? $5 for regular with commercials and, what, $6 without commercials per month? It's worth it. Especially whenever you get, like, pay-per-views from uh, WWE. It's really worth it. And also, this is another thing I didn't notice, is that as the pay-per-view was going, and they will be right at uh, Alexa Bliss's entrance, for example. Alexa's in the ring, and then just cut right directly into a commercial. And it was about a good two or three commercials, but the match didn't start. It seemed like WWE got a heads up of whenever they're about to hit a commercial. or well, the Peacock Peacock app was about to hit a commercial and they stopped what they were doing and just go not stop what they're doing. They didn't start the matchup, they prolonged the entrances a little bit longer until that commercial was done, and then they would get right back into where they were supposed to be doing. So WWE is able to work within the bounds of the Peacock app if you have the $4.99. Uh, monthly with the commercials. They will work with that portion of the fan base that has that. So again, get the Peacock uh, app if I are you. This is not an ad. They are not paying me, but uh, I just really endorse it because I like WWE. I like professional wrestling, and I think that uh, it would be great if you do get the Peacock app just to get WWE, but if you don't, go to YouTube, and trust me, you'll be able to get the uh, matches some way somehow, but again, Solid pay per view. And uh, that's all for me here. This has been My Two Cents Podcast, wrestling review of Extreme Rules. And if you want to hit me up on all of my social media links on Twitter, you can find me at, at My Two Podcast. On Instagram, you can find me on My Two Cents Podcast G2. And for emailing me, you can email me at my 2 cents pod at yahoo.com. Again, my 2 cents pod at yahoo.com. And for all these social media links, it's not TWO or TOO, it's the actual number two when you put that in all these social media links. And for past and future episodes of the podcast, you can find them at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, Amazon Music, and Audible. And, um, this isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from this sweet sounding voice again. I want you to have a lovely Monday and a blessed Monday. And let's head and let's hit this uh week uh on the ground running and let's accomplish what we want to accomplish out of this week. And I just want to say thank you for listening. I love you all. I want to say thank you again. Have a blessed week, and I hope you are able to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. God bless. And Kanye, can you please take us out? I'm tired, you tired, uh-huh. Jesus yeah. wept. Well.